So today we are going to uh, continue on in our series on why the Bible is relevant to our lives. And uh, so we've talked about um, how, you know, many people look at the Bible and they see it as this old, ancient, crusty book that uh, can surely not have anything to do with us today. Uh, so they ask the question of relevancy. Is, is it relevant to our lives today? And, you know, because the Bible isn't hot off the press by any means. But as we've seen these past couple weeks, that's more than just a dusty old writing. And the Bible is eternal. The Bible is true never changing and inerrant in the living word of God. And so this morning we want to talk about foundations. Uh, trust me, we're going we're gonna to tie this in with the word of God and, and tie these two concepts together, foundations and the word. Uh, just trust the process here this morning. We're, we're going to get there. Uh, but what is a foundation? Uh, we, we're all probably... We probably are familiar with what a foundation is. And a foundation is just simply a part of the structure that supports the entire structure above it. It's the base. And this is part of the structure you may not even see. But it's supporting everything else. But just how important is that foundation? Uh, I'm have Adam Martin come up here. Uh, if you guys don't know, Adam, for the last, how long have you been with this company? Probably a month, month and a half. Uh, so, so Adam has been working with this uh, construction outfit from Rushville. And uh, as we were kind of talking about the sermon series and, and kind of fleshing it out, we've got a group of people that kind of just kind of creatively just start thinking. Uh, he brought up this interesting part about the foundation work on a building. So, so Adam, Tell me a little bit about how long does it take them to set the foundation for a building that it, you've seen? It, honestly, the, the first thing, and we don't do foundations, but we have to understand how important they are because we do a lot of the work that goes above the foundation. Um, when we interact with customers, I can't tell you how many times just in the, you know, the short time I've been there, one of the customers has looked at one of us and said, well, we figured the job would be done by now. Ma'am, we're just getting started building because the foundation takes half, third of, uh, up, as little as a third of the job and up to a half or more of the time that the job takes. Because if that foundation isn't firm, if there's any movement to that foundation, if there's any instability, any cracking, anything that would cause that foundation to not just be rock solid, it, form, or it, it causes everything else above it at the slightest gust of wind, at, you know, at the slightest earthquake, at the slightest act of God to crumble. It just, it, it can't stand on it. Whereas if the foundation is set well, if the people who came in and started the job did their job correctly, it allows us to do our job correctly and build the rest of the house up above that in a way that the house will stand for generations. Nice. So you said it takes up to like, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know where my voice is this morning, uh, like two-thirds of the time to half, somewhere in Third there. half, yeah, usually yeah. of the full job, which understandably is 
probably about minimum two and a half, three weeks just to set the foundation. Okay. Minimum. I'm talking so, it's probably more like a month because you got to let that thing dry. Yeah, you got to make sure it's, it's solid. Yep. So how long does it generally take you guys then to come in and put the structure up? Well, Once depends. you got the foundation. <laughs> it depends because if the foundation was set correctly, if it was level, if it was firm, if it was allowed to set and dry and it was reinforced correctly, our job is done in another, you know, two and a half, three, four, four months, you know, somewhere around a month usually. That other half of the job is usually what it, you know, what it takes for us to finish it. But if that foundation wasn't set correctly or if the foundation for the house, you know, that was demolished wasn't firm, then that job, sometimes we even have to look at the homeowner and go, look, we can't do our job correctly until this is fixed, until this is repaired. Or say, if you have us build this, we can't, you know, we, we don't feel safe with having anybody live here if we were to continue building on this because we have found this imperfection, you know, this, this brokenness with the, the foundation. It's not firm enough to support what we're building on top of it. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, why, and you've already kind of answered this last question, but why is the foundation so important and why is so much time and effort given into it? Because if your base isn't firm, if it's not built correctly, it can't support everything above it. Yeah. And everything above it will crumble at some point. Not saying it's today, not saying it's tomorrow. It could look really good on the yeah, top. It could look but... great. It could be a multi-million dollar home. It could, you know, be the greatest looking thing, but then, you know, we get that little, you know, tiny little earthquake or, you know, that, that one storm that blows in the wind just strong enough and that beautiful home just collapses to the ground. Yeah. Because that foundation wasn't set firmly as it should have. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. We'll give Adam a hand. Thank you for sharing your, your uh, knowledge on that. <laughs> I just thought it was really interesting to kind of listen to somebody who's, who's kind of in that world and, and the importance of this, this foundation. Uh, and I also looked at, at a couple, uh, some skyscrapers. Uh, you see these massive structures uh, above ground, but what you don't see is all that down below. Uh, the uh, Shanghai Tower, that's the second tallest building there, goes down 282 feet into the ground. And, it, and they say it varies because what they're trying to do is they're trying to really embed that in bedrock so that when it hits some wind, and I, as you can imagine, a building that size is going to hit some wind, <laughs> it's going to be firmly planted and grounded uh, and I do have a, a very famous example of what happens if your foundation is not set correctly. You're, you all know of the Leaning Tower of Pisa uh, that is continually toppling over uh, because the foundation was not right. right. And that's what we get when we don't uh, take that time on the foundation. And just like a physical structure needs a good foundation. We also need a strong spiritual foundation. Uh, take a look with me at our scripture passage for this morning uh, in Luke chapter 6.
We're going to look at verses 46 through 49 today. We'll just start out with anyway. And it says this, and this is Jesus talking. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. And when the floodwaters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it is built well. But if anyone who hears and doesn't obey, but anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a great heap of ruins. So I told you when we started out this morning that I would, I would make the, the connection, and here it is. Jesus makes this connection for us in the analogy of building on a solid foundation. And we've already taken a look at why a building um, on a sound foundation is, is important. And Jesus speaks of two different types of people here in this passage. And the first type of people he talks about are the people who hear his commands and follow through with them and obey them. And the second group of people are the people who, who will hear God's word but do nothing with it. And he makes this statement that those who do what he says and commands build their lives on that solid foundation and those who do not are doomed to failure. Now, I'm a big proponent of, of looking at a verse in context. Uh, so we just read a rather short section of scripture there. And it started with the word, so. And that tells me that what goes before it is very connected. All right, so we're going to kind of back up just a moment, and we're going to understand this verse in, in this section of verse in context. The, the whole discourse is Luke recounting the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we see this in Matthew's account as well, but if you look with me in, in the same chapter of Luke, Luke uh, 6, and we'll look at verse 17. It says, when they came down from the mountain, the disciples stood with Jesus on a large level area, surrounded by many of his followers and by the crowds. They were people from all over Judea and from Jerusalem and as far north as the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and be healed of their diseases. And those troubled by evil spirits were healed. Everyone tried to touch him because healing power went out from him and he healed everyone. We see Jesus and his disciples standing with him along with a, a, a vast multitude of people who are all wanting to hear Jesus' teaching. And so Jesus launches into his famous sermon here and he talks about how blessed they will be if they're mocked and cursed because of following him. Uh, he goes through what in, in Luke is a shorter, shortened version of the Beatitudes, but a, a view of the person who, are, who will be blessed because of them following after Christ. And then he goes into a, a section of uh, he, warnings or woes uh, against those who are not uh, in th those people who rely too much on their own power and wealth. Uh, instead of trusting in God that they will see uh, 
instead of trusting God, and they're going to see sorrow because they're not building and trusting in him. They're trusting in their own material wealth. Jesus then starts talking about loving your enemies. Uh, we see this in verses 27 through 34. He says, But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. And if someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when the things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. And if you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. And he goes on there talking about how we need to not only not be mean to our enemies, but we actually actively have to love them. And then in the next section of verses, Jesus talks about in, in verses 37 through 42, we see the famous verse about taking the plank out of your own eye before you try to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And how we shouldn't, we should worry about our own spiritual health, right? And this is immediately followed by Jesus teaching about the tree and its fruit. And I want to read that as well. Take a look with me at verses 43 through 45. It says, a good tree can't produce bad fruit. And a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. And it's right after that that his question rings out still to us today. So why do you keep calling me Lord when you don't do what I say? He's teaching the crowd here and he's saying, look, I'm calling you to something higher. I'm calling you to something better. And I'm calling you to love your enemies. I'm calling you to do good to others, to put others first, not to judge others, to bear good fruit. So why do you call me Lord, Lord, and refuse to do this? Matthew's recounting is even more pointed. Uh, if you look at Matthew chapter 7. And if you look at uh, verses 21 through 23, he says this. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. 
And on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. And then he launches into anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. We've already talked about the word of God as being trustworthy and reliable, but here Jesus draws a line in the sand and he says the difference between those who are true disciples and those who are not, there's one difference. And that difference between those who build their house on the solid foundation and those who see destruction is doing. Jesus says, look, it's not enough to just know what I say. You have to put it into action. Just because we do a couple of good deeds and claim to be followers of Christ doesn't mean we're actually his followers until we follow him, until we actually do it. Jesus finishes his sermon by calling them to action. He said, you're listening in... in, in, uh, Matthew, it ends with, when Jesus was finished with these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. That was Jesus' whole deal with the teachers of religious law, too. They were teaching all this stuff and expecting everybody else to follow this, but they weren't following that. They did just enough to look good. We can believe in Jesus. We can believe that what he says is true. But until we do something with it, we're not truly Christian. Think about it. The the word Christian literally means Christ-like. And if our lives don't bear the fruit of following Christ, then we are by definition not Christian. If we're not looking like Christ, we are not Christ-like. Jesus says it again in uh, John 14, 21. He says this, Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Those who accept my commandments believe that they're true and obey them. See, it's oftentimes really easy to sit in a service and listen to a a message or read our Bibles, but it's a whole other thing to do what it says, isn't it? Because that's where the rubber meets the road. That's that's the hard part is doing it. You know, when when we read what Jesus was talking about before he said this, in talking about how we need to love our enemies and pray for those who hurt us, that's hard to do. We think, Jesus, hey, at least I didn't, you know, you know, when they smacked the cheek, I didn't smack them back. But Jesus says, offer the other cheek. That's hard to do. And that's where we get our identity is through following after Christ and actually doing the words that he tells us to do. You know, when I think about this, I think about a map. 
if I punch in a destination on my phone, it's going to spit out a map very much like this with directions on how to get there. And so I have a choice to make. So, okay, so say I'm heading to a certain place. We'll say the Indianapolis Zoo. And I'm so coordinated this morning that that's actually where that map will take you, okay, from here to the zoo. Uh, and I can tell everyone that I'm going to the zoo, right? I could tell you that I'm going to the zoo. I could be excited about it, right? I can even preach that people should follow this map. This is the map you should follow if you want to go to the zoo. I can even study this map. I could memorize this map and tell you turn by turn how to get to the zoo. But if I refuse to actually follow this map, I'm not going to end up where I am claimed to be going if I don't actually go there. I can look it up. I can know all about it. I can tell you about it. But if I don't go, I've not gotten to my destination. James says it this way in his epistle in, in James 1. I always pass up James when I... There it is. I didn't pass it up. Yay. Okay. All right. So James chapter 1, if you look with me there, and let's look at verses 22 through 27 here. And he says this, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free and you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. And James goes on to talk about what that life in Christ looks like when we actually mature from just babies and we mature into Christ-like believers. What does that look like? And he, he starts with that of, you know, you actually have to do the word of God. You actually have to do what it says. And then he goes into all sorts of different things that a Christian will look like if they're following after the word of God. And he likens it to a person that looks at himself in the mirror and then promptly forgets what he looks like. You know, the word of God is living and eternal and inerrant and will show us what we need to correct in our lives. But if we do nothing with it, we're not going to reap the benefits of it. And just like the Google map, I, could, I have to actually follow the directions and do something to get to the destination. And it's only through following God's word that we build our lives on a solid foundation. And what we tend to do is we build our lives on things that are not living and eternal and unchanging. You know, we may build our lives on material things and how far we can get in our jobs. We may build our life on our own strength and the, the skills that we have. We may build our life on our own wisdom. 
I've tried to do that. It's not good. <laughs> not good at all. Why? Because all these things are shifting. They're like building on sand. They're prone to error. They're not eternal. And they change. My own wisdom is flawed. I've messed up. And if I'm building myself, my, my life on my own wisdom and I mess up, what does that do to the, my foundation? It crumbles. Just like Adam was talking about, that whole beautiful structure, it may look great on the outside, but it's only as good as the foundation that's under it. And what I submit to you this morning is our, our lives may look great on the outside, but it's only as good as the foundation that we build it on. And Jesus is saying, take this foundation, take my words, take my wisdom, take my teachings, and base your life on this. Jesus tells us that if we base our lives on anything else, that we're doomed to fail. Our destruction, in, in, in Matthew, he ends it up with, and their destruction will be final. There's no hope for repair, <laughs> right? If we don't build on the word of God. But if we anchor our life on, solid, on the solid rock, on Jesus and his word, we will be able to withstand the storm. And you may ask, you know what, why is that important? You know, if you can build a, a nice structure on the top. Well, when we're anchored to the solid rock of the word, when storms come, we know, you know when, they, when they come, and we know that they're going to come, right? Storms of life, we've all experienced them. Those times when your faith is tested. And when we are standing firmly on God's word, something that we can trust, something that's not changing, that gives us something to hold on to, we're able to withstand those storms in life. But when we've based our lives on things of the world, when bad things happen, when your faith is tested, we have nothing to grasp onto. And this morning, I, I close with the question, what kind of foundation are you building your life on? You know, we always like to end the service with a call to action. And then just like Jesus ended his sermon with a call to action, build your life on the word. This morning, I want us all to take stock of our spiritual foundation. And many of us today would say that we're followers of Christ. But I want us to ask this question, are we really following? And that's what this text invites us to, to ask of ourselves is, are we actually doing what Christ has called us to do? Are we actually loving our enemies? Are we actually basing our life on what Jesus taught us to do? Because most of us would agree in this room that God's word is true. We're all listening. But what are we doing with it? Is there action to it? 
If not, then Jesus is clear that only those who do what he says are truly his disciples. And when we hear a sermon, when we read the Bible, are we putting what we learn into action? So the altar call this morning is this. If you've been living life on your, your own way, and you say this morning, I am going to repent and do life the way God wants me to, I invite you to come on up here this morning. I'd love to pray with you. And if you've never placed your faith in Christ through baptism, this is the first step in a life that's anchored in Christ. And I invite you to, to make that first step. That step that says, God, I, I, I accept that I'm a sinner. And I need to follow after you. And if that's you, I, I'd love to pray with you as well. Um, as the worship team comes back up, let's pray. Father God, thank you so much. God, we thank you for your word that you've given that, that is a light to our path and a guide to our lives. And God, we pray that as we hear your word this morning and as, we've, um, as we learn more about your word, God, help us to put it into action. And not just give you lip service, but to actually do what you've asked us to do. We're only following if we're actually moving in the direction that you've called us to move. Help us to do that this morning. In your son's name we pray, amen.